It's official. One Shining Podcast is back, and I am your host, Tate Frazier. And as March Madness begins, we're covering everything from Selection Sunday all the way to the championship and beyond. We're going to have great guests that are coming through on the show. And look, if you're a friend of the program and you're already subscribed, you don't have to do anything. OSP is back. It's going to be right back in your feed. And if you're not a friend of the program and this is your first time on the rodeo, then let me tell you this. You need to go to Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts and smash subscribe today because the OSP show is back. It's the Ringer Gambling Show presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here and you can bet on all of the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explorer page in the post and bet live same-game parlays for every. NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen at the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and up in President Select States. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like Can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. All right, like Barcelona's legal troubles, we are back. It is the Ringer Soccer Gambling Show. I'm Steve Rudy, as always, joined by the great Paul Carr of True Media. Paul, we're not playing Where in the World is Paul Carr this week. You back at home? Good to be back? Back at home. I'm home for like 10 days before heading down to uh, Orlando and Atlanta for Nations League games for the U.S. So, yeah, it's good to be home for a little bit. Yeah, we're, we were just talking about scheduling for the pod the next like two weeks because obviously we've got the international break coming up and... You had mentioned, obviously, the the UCL draw for the quarterfinals is coming up at the end of this week, I think on the 17th. So TBD on exactly when we'll be back after this pod, but it is a good call by you. We should probably either, we'll probably react to those games and probably react to, you know, or preview those games and probably react to the UCL draw maybe early next week. We'll just try to figure it out around the um, college hoop schedule as well. A lot going on this time of year, Paul, but... As right. I mentioned, why don't we? I, I mentioned the Barcelona stuff. Do you have anything on it? Like, just for those that don't know, I mean, it's just, it's actually, it's insane. Like, if they're like kind of like the mafia, it just keeps, like, things keep popping up. They got all these skeletons in their closet. The latest thing is that basically they're about to be sued by most of the teams in La Liga because they, they came out that or became public that they were making payments to the former VP of officiating <laughs> for La Liga. Now, Barca says this was just for technical reports and it wasn't to try to influence right, games. Right, right. All right. Like, I mean, listen, I was born on a day, but not yesterday. Um, it's just it's another thing where like we just know how corrupt the sport is. But, you know, this one makes me laugh. I mean, the funny thing is, like, they're at the top of La Liga. But yes, they did get bounced from the Champions League. They're in constant turmoil. And it's just another thing that they get added to uh, to their list of worries. Well, it's just more reason for other teams to kind of hate them. I mean, there's always those accusations that the big clubs especially get all the calls and blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, yeah. it sounds like Juve, a Reddit Italy. thread has yep. come to life. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, it's funny. Like, I, I saw Javi, I think, was over the weekend being like, oh, it's disappointing to see the away fans, like, cheering that we should be relegated. And you're like, dude, like, come on. <laughs> like, ha- like, of course they're going to do that. Like, if right. you guys cheated, you know, it is what it is. I mean, that's like, for me, I'm, you know, a fan of Serie A, obviously. I like Roma. You know, this has always been the thing about Juve is like, you know, Juve obviously had the the scandal that brought them down to Serie B because they were, you know, max match fixing. Now, that wasn't just mm-hmm. them, but they were the worst of it. And they just got a 15 point ban that they're now challenging um, because of basically cooking the books and making it seem like they were making more money than they actually were or that transfers were more lucrative than they were. And this is all like little stuff on the margins. Like some people think it's a big deal. Some people don't. But I mean, anytime you're like talking about paying the the VP of officiating uh, of the Referees Association, it's pr- probably not a great look for uh, for how clean things are being run. But I don't know, man. Like, I, I just think this is kind of part of the game. Yeah, not great. Not great. And also somehow not surprising. No, exactly. Like I read this and like, yep, that that checks out. So we'll see. I mean, yeah, you know, maybe, we'll right. have an up, maybe we'll have an update next pod or something, but we'll figure it out. Uh, big rundown for today's show. Obviously, we're going to talk about the Champions League games that are coming up this week, the the, the last parts of um, the round of 16 games in the second legs. Um, we've got a VAR controversy, as always, again. Uh, I want to tell you why Chelsea deserves like a medal, a plaque, or at least like a hug from Arsenal after uh, if, if Arsenal <laughs> indeed do go on and win this title. I want to talk about what the hell's going on with Spurs. The relegation battle is as spicy as it's ever been. Shout out to Everton getting a W over uh, over Brentford over the weekend. Um, and uh, maybe some PSG stuff after they get bounced from the Champions League, Paul. But I think we. I want to start here. Let's start with the VAR stuff. And I, I, I hate talking about officiating. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure you're the same way. Yes. But I, I just I think it has to be brought up because there just there were multiple things again this weekend that were somewhat disastrous and just a bad look overall for the league and in something in VAR, which I think we all think is useful, it's just being used incorrectly. So let me just lay it out and then I'll kind of give the floor to you. Basically, there were a couple of decisions over the weekend, one of which was Casemiro, Manchester United. He gets a red card, which was deemed as violent conduct. Now that went to review. They looked at it. You know, it's a tough call. Like I understand why the call was made. He goes, he gets the ball, but he goes over the top of the ball right into the guy's leg. And it's a dangerous play. Like I'm not going to argue with it being a dangerous play. The problem is you have in the same weekend Lester's Ricardo Pereira getting no card whatsoever for for almost what was probably maybe a worse tackle and it's certainly like a, a worse intention tackle um, against Joel Felix and Chelsea, which was in the second minute of the game and there was no review and no card. Or at least de- there was definitely no card. I didn't quite see if there was a review. But, you know, I think the problem, Paul, is like, all right, VAR is supposed to be there to be the, the overwatch, the watching eye, the watchful eye of like correcting blatantly wrong mistakes. And yet week in and week out, we get inconsistent refereeing decisions, whether it's offside calls, whether it's red cards, whether it's handballs. Every every single VAR official seems to have a different interpretation of how they should use VAR and what, they, what, what they're doing with VAR. So I'll give you the floor. I hate talking about this, but it was a massive talking point this weekend. And I think, really, it's kind of the same as it's always been in the sense that, to me, there's always been this subjectivity and some of it is still in place. Like the offside thing isn't a subjective thing. It's just a, impossible thing to legislate in a black and white way uh, in a lot of ways. It's a rule problem more than an enforcement problem. But all this review stuff, like, I mean, you see this all the time where, you know, one ref thinks it's a foul and one thinks he's not. It's kind of the same thing. It's just played in slow motion and you're going to see the replay a million times and it's these game-changing type of calls that we see. So it's it's sort of more of the same. It just feels like a lot more because we have so many more cameras and better angles and things like that. The inconsistency is maddening. It's just kind of the way it is. It doesn't mean it's right, uh, but it just feels like things are a little bit being made up as they go along from a VAR standpoint. Like I'm, I as I understand the rules, they could have reviewed 
uh, Pereira's challenge for a red card. They couldn't review and give a yellow, I believe, but they could yeah, give, a red. give a red. Yep. And I, I have a hard time understanding why they wouldn't. I mean, it was definitely it was a yellow. <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was, it was certainly a worse result than Casemiro's challenge, and I think we'd say a, a worse challenge on the whole. Uh, Casemiro, I think, might have been a little fortunate. Like if you know, if his foot's an inch off or something like that, you know, it looks a lot like Pereira's challenge does because he gets a lot of cleat and a lot of well, leg. See, I, I kind of disagree uh, though, but, Paul. Like, I think I think he. I think he was a little bit more in control. He just was yeah, a yeah. little bit unlucky because he, he the way that he hit he got the ball. Yeah. But he but he got the ball. And just because you get the ball, by the way, doesn't mean that you you can't get a Correct. red card. I'm, that should be pointed out first and foremost. But he did get the ball, but the way that his foot hit it, he went over the ball yeah. and that kind of propelled his leg right. into the shin of um of the of the defender. And yeah. you know, that, again, I'm not gonna argue like if you want to tell me there's a red card, I'm not gonna argue with you. But the problem right. is like if that's a red card. The Pereira right. one is an absolute stone cold red card. And it's I haven't the seen the defense for Pereira's not being a red card and agreed on Casemiro. Like he both got lucky that he didn't catch him worse and also unlucky to your point that he caught him at all because it wasn't an aggressive, reckless challenge in the same way Pereira's was. Yeah, I, I don't understand and I haven't seen a good explanation for why Pereira did not get a red card there. Yeah, and we, you know, we keep getting these. I mean, Everton are the, the kings of this. Like they'll get a, a you know an apology from the from the match officials <laughs> from the was it PGMOL or whatever the, yeah, the referees sorry. association being like, actually, we screwed that one up. Our bad. And you're like, well, we're in a relegation fight, so like, yeah, figure it out. Like this was like last year when you know there was a blatant handball against Manchester City in the Everton match that they didn't call. I mean, it hit Rodri right in the arm in the penalty. It would have been it was one nothing City. It was I think past the 80th minute, likely a penalty kick. You know, obviously, it's not nothing is guaranteed, but you're likely going to score that, and you probably hold on. Maybe you get a point, and that could be the difference between staying up and going down for a team mm-hmm. like Everton. That's a that's a hundred million, two hundred million plus dollar yeah. euro pound, whatever you want to call it, decision that you're getting wrong. And yeah. you know, I just I, again, it's 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 the inconsistency because what's the crazy thing is like what we've been calling for for years. MLS actually has a great system where they'll like you hear what the officials say. Like you hear what right. they're talking about, what the debate is. And there's so much secrecy, I feel like, around the calls, not only in the Premier League, but the rest of these European leagues. They're so afraid to kind of like open that up and take us behind the curtain. We don't we also don't get to interview the referees after the officials after any matches. We don't really hear from them. We just get an apology from from the yep. association. And it's just it's just tough. And, you know, Ten Hag after the game, like, again, he's like, oh, Casemiro. He's, I think he said, quote, Casemiro played 500 games in Europe and has never had a straight red card. Now he has two when he comes to the Premier League. I, I don't listen. Again, I think it's a eh. pro- it's probably a red card. I, I understand what he's saying. He's mad in the heat of the moment, but for yeah. me, it's not it's not what the call is. It's the inconsistency of these calls and how from one yeah. official to another, it's just it's it's all like how could we be sitting at our couch ball at home being like, yeah, that needs to be reviewed, and then it just doesn't get reviewed in some games. You know, it's right. just, that doesn't make any sense to me. Yep. Yeah. More more consistency, more transparency. These are all going to go a long way, both toward making it better on the field and making it a better experience for all of us sitting at home watching. I think partially it's because. It, it does seem like there's, there was some pushback from the officials on the use of VAR in general. And I think initially they were like, we're going to kind of screw this up to show that this isn't a good system. Yeah, uh, it was they, rushed for sure. Like it came mm-hmm. in a little quickly. The rules are slightly different in all the leagues and they're changing rules midseason. It, it hasn't been instituted in the best way, especially in England. Uh, but we've had a few years now and they really need to start getting things ironed out. Well, it has an impact on the table. So let me go over right. this. We'll talk about Arsenal still at the top table. still have a five-point gap on Manchester City. Further down the table, we were just talking about Manchester United potentially being in the title race. Both you and I thought that was dumb, and I think we have been proven correct. And now, they are, you know, it. You know, we always thought, all right, they're basically safely in third. They're still, you know, kind of safely in third. 538 still gives them 
a 75% or 74% chance to finish top four. But they're on 50 points. Tottenham in fourth on 48 points. Um, now, United does have a game in hand. Newcastle, 44 points in fifth. They have two games in hand on Tottenham ahead of them. And Liverpool at 42 points. And you get down to Brighton at 39 points. It it does seem like, Paul, are, are you ready to say that, that United are in a little bit of danger here? Yes. I mean, I feel like, you know, in my head at least, and, and you look at the odds or the projections and they more or less back this up. You know, two, three, four weeks ago, United was closer to 90% and now they're in the mid-70s, 75% to stay up, which, you know, that's, they're not doomed, obviously. They're still a sizable favorite, but that's, you know, it's it's much more of a real thing for them. And they have so many teams pursuing them too. Like Tottenham, Newcastle, Liverpool have all been very inconsistent, but just one of those has to come well, I guess two of them have to get there to catch United and knock them out. Brighton's also in the mix. Probably the most consistent team of any of those, oddly yeah. enough. They have three games in hand on Tottenham, for example, one or two on most of the rest. So, I mean, there's a real world where they make a play uh, as well, which I would love to see. I think their odds, you know, in the plus 600 range to finish in the top four, a little bit out of whack relative to the others, which are all under plus 200 or so. Um, they're almost the team I... I don't know that I'd say I trust them the most to finish in the top four uh, of those teams that are pursuing Man United, but I do think they're the most kind of... Re- like, you know what you're getting week to week yep. from Brighton. You know, Liverpool, they're going to win 7-0 or they're going to lose to Bournemouth. Yep. You know, that's what Liverpool has been. Tottenham has kind of been, what is Kane going to do? Uh, Newcastle has tailed off a little bit from where they were early in the season. So, it, I mean, it should be a fun race. And I don't hate Brighton at plus 600 or better to sneak into that top four spot. I don't hate it at all. Let me just give you the numbers now. Uh, Man United, this is again to finish top four. United heavy favorites at minus 560. Then Tottenham come in at plus 150. Newcastle plus 175. Liverpool plus 188. And as you mentioned, Brighton plus 600. Then you get you know into really long shots with Chelsea. And I think they've turned it around, but I'm not really sure. I'm ready to say that they're <laughs> going to push no. for top four. They're at plus 2,500. I'm with you. I think Brighton's an interesting play there if you want to do it. I think they're the, you're right, they're the most consistent team. They're probably the least talented team, but they have like right. the best system and I trust what they're just not, not even their coach because obviously they lost their coach midseason. Um, I just trust like their structure and the ownership and all that from from the top down. I probably trust Tottenham the least, even though I still think they're in. I would if I wanted to be in anyone's position other than United, I want to be in theirs because they, you know, even though they have a game in hand, they've got a, a four or a, a six point gap on you know Liverpool, who are probably I think that the scariest team. I'm looking below them and saying, hey, like is Liverpool going to get weird again and, and kind of push us on this? Newcastle has been very up and down. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I'm not ready to say United because you, you brought up a good point in the text chain, like the Casemiro being now out for what is it? Three, four games. Yeah. That, that, that's really the bigger indicator because they are a totally different team without him. Yeah. And they have Newcastle first in the Premier League, but yeah, three Premier League games and an FA Cup game, I believe. So that's going to hurt. And what are they going to do? They're going to slide Fred or McTominay back there again. And we've seen we that saw before. How, yeah. Yeah. We saw how that worked <laughs> in the first half of the season, which is obviously why they got Casemiro. And he seemed like the piece that really just solidified that whole team. Uh, so yeah, they've got yeah it's Newcastle and Brentford and Everton, I believe, are the three Premier League yep. games. So yeah. Everton getting a little yeah. uh, getting a little who knows, boost there. We who knows what you that. get there? And I'll throw here's one Brighton number for you. So since the new year, Brighton's second in the league in expected goal difference at plus twelve. City's number one at plus thirteen, and Brighton's played three fewer games than City has in that stretch. Wow! So again, machine, their schedule man. has been not killer. Like Liverpool's the only, I think, the only top team that they've played like top half. Not top half, but like top four contender they've played in that span. But they've taken care of business as they've had to. And we know they can handle top teams as well. You know, they knocked out Liverpool in January, or they beat Liverpool in January, uh, et cetera. So 
they're there, which is all you can ask for at this point in the season. I want to quickly talk about Spurs as well because they've had sort of a tumultuous I yeah, don't know, week or so, maybe season, maybe years if you're a Spurs fan, <laughs> I would imagine at this Life. point. Uh, yeah, just, exactly. Just, the, just their existence is tumultuous. Uh, they get bounced out of, out of the Champions League and they're kind of the worst team to watch in your like they when it's bad yeah, for them they gosh. are just awful and richarlison who was one of their big money signings guy that's near and dear to my heart as an everton everton fan wish we had him back basically single-handedly kept everton up last year had some interesting words to say about kind of like the style and their manager antonio conte after that loss um you know he basically was like i'm paraphrasing but he's like i don't know why i'm not playing yes i was hurt the season has been basically shit for both the team and him personally and, you know, that he thinks the team is essentially playing the wrong way. I mean, and, and they were right. I mean, when they went down in that game, uh, it was the Champions League game against Milan, they brought in a defender. Like, what are you guys doing? Like, you got you need to score a goal. And I have been an Antonio Conte defender. I think he's been a good manager. I thought he, mm-hmm. he stopped the Juventus title drought uh, when he won at Inter a couple years ago. And the further that Inter are away from him, I the less and less I think I trust them as a team. I think he, he you know, they, they basically, I'm just saying they miss him a ton. And I really thought that, you know, this Spurs thing, and even Richarlison specifically as a player, was a perfect fit for him because Richarlison is a hardworking guy. He's a, his defensive work rate is as high as any attacker in the last however many years, maybe other than like Roberto Firmino. And the fact that a guy like Richarlison is now like being like questioning him outwardly is a is a big problem. And then Antonio Conte basically responded by saying, "Yes, Richarlison's right. He has played like shit this year. <laughs> it's it's a whole mess." But then they go and they win this right. weekend in pretty right. convincing fashion, and they have a six point lead. So I don't I don't. It does seem like Conte is not going to be there after this year. But like, can you see with all the I mean, it's kind of a miracle that with all these distractions and this turmoil that they they're they're still have they're still in fourth right there. Yeah, I I mean, I I think everyone kind of handled this about as well as you can. Like Richarlison said, I've been bad. The team's been bad. Conte basically agreed. And then they went out and, you know, played well on Saturday. That's kind of being a professional in a sense. Yeah. Obviously, Charleston probably rather had a goal that got pulled back for offside right. too. He like, should have scored. Could have scored. Um, those are probably conversations you'd rather have in the clubhouse, in the locker room, than in the press, especially in England, where everything gets blown up and talking to the press is just less of a thing. But they kind of just figured it out, and this is kind of how it, you kind of want to see it. Um, I, I'm not sure he's the greatest fit for Spurs. I mean, I, I think he should be able to fit on any team. It is, it is a bit of an odd thing to try and wedge him out on the right because you can't replace Kane you can't replace Son so he's but got to figure out this year right I mean you, right. I mean, you can't put him on the left I guess but it just doesn't have a natural spot I suppose mm-hmm. you, you need Richarlison on the field uh, so he's got to figure out with Kane how to get that space underneath because they both kind of like operating right there uh, you got to figure that out because you do you'd love to have both of them on the field because Kane certainly needs help especially with Son out of form this season so uh, yeah we'll see they've got the they, they have something that Chelsea, for example, would love to have. They have a one, maybe two, maybe three, like really good finishers uh, that give them a chance. And so that's a good thing they have going for them. They just kind of have to figure out how to get these pieces together, get Sun going again, et cetera. Yeah, you know, I was talking to my my friends about this in the group chat, and you know, we have an Arsenal fan in there, so he's you know he loves to just you know clown <laughs> whenever he can, and yeah. you know, I guess and it's been warranted sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Enjoy but- it. I actually, you know, I, like I said, I think Conte's probably gone in the summer, but I actually, I don't think this is like as dire, no pun intended, of a situation <laughs> for Spurs because, you know, even if they lose Kane, say they sell Kane for like 60, 70, 80 million this summer, which, which I think they a, probably should. It's, it's a great move for them if they get that much for a guy who's past his prime. Yeah. Still really I mean, good. Don't get me wrong. But, but the next but three, four years will drift he, downhill. But United need him like Real Madrid could use him. 
uh, Bayern Munich could use him. I think there's like a, a, a bunch of big clubs that, that would be in yeah. him. So I actually think they they could probably still get decent. They're not going to get $150 million like a couple yeah. of years ago and uh, with the Manchester City thing. But, you know, they're, you know I, I still think that's okay. And then yeah. Richarlison, they already have a natural replacement for Kane in Richarlison. Right. I mean, obviously, he's not the same player, but he's a good Premier right. League proven striker, spot. starter for Brazil, had a great World Cup. Um you know, I, I I don't hate their team as much. And you bring like maybe you bring Mauricio Pochettino back into the mix, and he gets to kind of rebuild again. <laughs> but you still have this team, or maybe they don't. I don't know. I don't think it's as dire as as like doom and gloom. Like you're still in a top four race. You still have a six point yep. gap on on Liverpool, who are probably the most scary team behind you. And I still think you got some good players on your team. I actually kind of, as, as for as bleak as it looks for Spurs, I actually don't think it's that bad. Like Spurs fans, take a breath. Yes, you're not competing for titles. Yes, you got knocked out of the league. Your coach seems to hate being in London right now, but I think there could be brighter things for, for Spurs on, on the horizon. Yeah, they're not doomed. They have a very clear path to finish in the top four because I mean, they're there now and they have the attackers to, to get them there. Champions League is out of the way, which I think will probably just be yeah. a blessing. Um, and I understand the taste from the, those Champions League two games against Milan will linger because those were dreadful and the easiest under bets pretty much of the season. But they're in they're in spot. You have a, what a dozen games left in the Premier League. You're in the right position. You really can't ask for a whole lot more if you're Tottenham. Like if you said at the beginning of the season if they'd be in this spot with yeah, well they have eleven games left, they'd be fine with that. And mm-hmm. everyone's you know relatively healthy. I mean, obviously they wish they had a Betancourt in the midfield, but you know you're going to lose somebody. So they're not they're not a terrible position, all things considered. As and as much as we uh, tend to hear about the chaos just overwhelming them, they're in a good spot. All right. Well, I brought up Arsenal. Let's get to them. Uh, quickly here because they maintain their five point gap at the top over City, and before I before I get into my Arsenal thing, I just have to say I've been fading Fulham for most of 2023, and mm-hmm. it hasn't gone as great as I because I just I kind of think that this is a little bit smoke and mirrors from them, and I their, their, their numbers are not good. They are yeah. not, and I have them in a second, and I'll throw them at you. I want to see like what your kind of reaction to them are, but uh, you know, Arsenal basically just run over. Fulham. Fulham, and Fulham, by the way, without Jao Polina, totally different team, guy in the midfield who kind of like mm-hmm. keeps everything clean for them and is like a real big safety net. But if you look at Fulham, they they should have about 10 less points if you look at mm-hmm. expected points than they do now. They have 39. They should have probably about 29. They should be in 14th, not 8th, pushing for Europe. They have the yeah. highest XG against in the entire Premier League. Um, and they are out out performing their uh, goals against by over 14 goals, Paul. I mean, it's it's, yeah. it's incredible how smoke and mirrors this thing. I like Marco Silva. I like the team. Obviously, they've got two Americans on the squad. Shout out to Tim Ream and Jedi Robinson. But man, this Fulham team, I, <laughs> I, I'm i ready to fade them for the rest of the season. I just don't, I don't know. I just think they, they're obviously safe at 39 points. They're going to be fine. Um, but I, I don't, I don't know if you've ever seen any team like this where they've so dramatically out um, produced what their expected points should be. I, it's, it's kind of wild. Reminds me of, I think it was it was Palace two or three years ago where they did the same thing, where they just kind of ran really hot the first half of the season and got to that, you know, 40-point mark, more or less. And they got nothing and then, to play for. Yeah, and they were bad. They were the same, basically the same level the rest of the season, the last third of the season. And they had nothing to play for, and the numbers started coming back around on them. And you know, again, they were safe and were never in danger of relegation because they just piled up the points early. So it reminds me a little bit of, of that Palace team that did that. But I mean... This is what you do when you're a, a yo-yo type of team. You take your points when you can get them. Definitely. Yeah, they've been running high. They're sixth, yeah, sixth worst expected goal difference on the season. Um, but, you know, you take it and you run. They're one of only a couple of teams that have no shot at Champions League and no sh- real shot at relegation. So, yeah, but if you're if you want to fade a team that's been running hot all season, 
Fulham is definitely it. They have, you know, for example, the same expected goal difference basically as Wolverhampton this year, and they have a mm-hmm. dozen more points. It's uh, actually worse than Leicester City because Leicester City has, I don't think they've won a one, I don't think they have a one goal win all season. Maybe there's one for Leicester City. So, and that's the kind of company the underlying numbers suggest Fulham's at, not the top half of the table where they currently sit. But they will take it, no doubt about that. Yeah, and, somebody take else, and somebody else who will take where they're at in the table is Arsenal. As th- my, my main point in this, too, is as I've watched this, this team kind of play, obviously a big win there, and what they got it capped off by was a hat trick of assists by Leandro Trossard, who has come right. into this team and has been about as seamless of a transition for like a false nine-type non-striker as you could find when your main striker, Gabriel Jesus, has been out for months after the World Cup. It's just an incredible signing. It is an incredible signing. And I have officially now, I'm officially now petitioning if Arsenal and Paul hold on uh-huh. to win, which I think they will hold on to win this title. I think both Chelsea and Brighton deserve at least <laughs> 5% chance. As I said, they deserve a medal, a plaque, or at least a hug or some right. sort of like credit, maybe like you know, on the trophy, like, you know, you just you stencil Arsenal's name in there, but you like do a little asterisk and the asterisk right. is 5% thank you to Chelsea and, and, and Brighton because there are a couple of things here that happened that were a little bit out of their control that have sort of, I think, accidentally in a way helped them this season one of which was you know they were in for Moise Caicedo who is uh, a star midfielder a really good like sort of defensive midfielder Ecuadorian from Brighton price was way too high they kept going back and forth back and forth back and forth ultimately they're like we're not going to pay that they go and bring in Jorginho from Chelsea so Jorginho just like Trossard basically hit the ground running I mean Jorginho two years ago we were talking about him in the ball and door race but that's a guy who right now, probably makes their team better than even Caicedo would have made their team better. So shouts out to Chelsea and Brighton there. Both little things there. Chelsea not selling Caicedo. Or um, uh, Brighton not selling Caicedo and Chelsea um, giving them Jorginho. And the other one was the the Mudrick signing, the the winger from Shakhtar, who Oof. Arsenal had been basically the favorite for for months. I mean, you had Mudrick on Instagram posting like Arsenal memes and like saying, hey, I love this team. And like, you know, hands clapping after every single win like he basically thought he was a part of the team Chelsea come in swoop last minute offer more money longer contract he ends up going to Chelsea which in turn again for Brighton they go and get Brighton uh, uh, Trossard from Brighton and I would argue I mean Trossard is the perfect fit for this team and Mudrick I don't think they'd be where they were if he was out on the wing he certainly can't play false nine like Trossard has so those two things that sort of accidentally happened that weren't really fully in their own control ended up I think maybe tipping the scales a couple of percentage points to Arsenal, which might be the difference in them winning the title and not. I love the sliding doors of the transfer window. Of, you know, we talked last week about you know, De Gea had gone to Real Madrid. What would that have, if the fax machine would have worked or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, how that would have changed maybe the fortunes of both teams and European titles and, and whatever it might be. Uh, I think what Arsenal's done, it just speaks to the importance of depth and those kind of mid-tier signings. Uh, you know, we always want the flashy hundred million dollar signing to come in and elevate your team. But I mean, Jorginho wasn't necessarily signed to be a starter every game, but injuries in the midfield mean he's kind of fallen into that. Uh, Trossard was a little more of an injury injury replacement or a holdover at at worst until Jesus comes back. You just got to have those replacement level type of guys when, because guys are going to get hurt. I mean, people get hurt for every team every season. And, you know, we talked about it with Manchester United. You lose a guy like Casemiro and nobody you can plug in, kind of a like-for-like-ish replacement, and it changes the way your team is structured and can play. It can really mess things up. Arsenal found the right pieces to plug in, the right mid-tier replacement type of guys. So obviously some luck involved, but credit to them for, you know, stick to your guns, don't pay more than you want to, first I say to or, or whomever it might be. And they're in a great spot. Let's put them in a good spot. 
There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. And now, this summer, they got a little bit more money to spend. Do you go for a Declan Rice? Do you, do you Maybe. dip your toe in the Jude Bellingham sweepstakes? It doesn't sound like he, might, he doesn't want to go to Arsenal, but hey, you never know. You've got the money now because you didn't spend the ridiculous amount that Chelsea spent on, on, on a guy like Mudrick, who might be a world-class player eventually, but he's not right now, uh, right. for sure, so... Really interesting stuff. They'll never give them credit, but they deserve credit. Shout out to Brighton and Chelsea. Um, even if you're an Arsenal fan, you got to give them a little bit of credit. The last thing I want to get to here, Paul, before we do Champions League stuff is the relegation battle because, man, is it spicy. It is, it is as good of a relegation fight as I can remember in my 10-plus years of really following um, the Premier League. And I, I kind of have a theory that I'll throw out to you in a second, but, I mean, literally 12 to 20 are, are in danger of going down. I mean, that spans from Palace to Southampton. That's nine teams separated by six points. Palace haven't won a game in 2023. I think you could argue they are certainly in the bottom three of form. And, you know, I'll ask you in a second who your worst three teams are in the league right now. But it brings up a question that I want to I pose to you. Do you think that, you know, obviously this is kind of the first year where it was just like, wow, the Premier League, we all knew the Premier League money. It was, it was obviously higher than the other leagues. And, but this year you've got like Bournemouth who are outspending AC Milan, who are the champions of Italy. You know, like they have these these relegation level teams are better than even some of the title winning teams in the big five leagues in the rest of Europe. They certainly have more money right now to spend. Do you think this is going to be the norm? Because there are so many teams, like when you get promoted and so many teams have so much money to spend on quality players, like you, it used to be you had at least one, maybe two, sometimes three, just really bad teams in the Premier League. I don't think there is a truly terrible team in the Premier League this year. Yeah, what this reminds me of, this is a weird comparison, but it reminds me of the NFL when you have a quarterback on a rookie contract and you have this small window, you think, to compete for a championship. You know, the Dolphins trade for Jalen Ramsey because they have two up for two more years and they're trying to maximize that. I feel like it's kind of like that compressed in the sense that you have one season to stay up and you know keep that hundreds of millions of dollars of money flowing in. And to do that, you got to spend and go get more guys. And I think these teams have kind of figured that out. I don't know that it's necessarily, I guess, how financially responsible they're all being, but it seems not terrible right now. So as long as that's the case, yeah, 
I mean, good on them for spending the money and not just, you know, banking it and saying, we don't care if we go back down, uh, things like that. So I, it's definitely going to make for an entertaining thing when, you know, usually it seems like before the season, there's this three to five teams and you know, two, maybe all three of the relegation teams are coming from there. But now it's just, it's so much more up in the air and the margin is so much thinner that it makes for this wildly entertaining race that we hope we have. Yeah, what did, what did Forrest sign 30 players this summer? <laughs> seems like a, yeah. I think they really did. I think it's 30. I think, I think it's at least 30 players, one of them being Kaylor Navas, who is obviously a Champions League winner, one of the best goalkeepers in the world. Like he's going from PSG to a team fighting relegation, a team that hasn't been in the Premier League for however however many years. But it it is interesting. Like it's exciting uh, as an Everton fan. It's definitely nerve wracking, but it is cool to be like, okay, there's like eight, nine teams that you're fighting against, just don't be one of the bottom three. And right. I, I wonder if we'll see, you know, West Ham shouldn't be in there, but they are. Right. Um, Leicester probably shouldn't be in there, but they are. Right. I would argue Everton shouldn't be in there, but they are. Um, <laughs> let's let's do this actually really quickly before we get into the Champions League stuff. Give me your, what are your, what who do you think are the three worst teams in the Premier League? Not even, I don't want to, don't talk about table, even form, right. but just like looking at their team, their squad, like who are the, who are your three worst teams in the Premier League right now? Um, I struggle with this. I feel like Bournemouth is the only one that I could really comfortably put at the, in the bottom three, like without really thinking about it. Um, beyond that, I think Southampton, although you know mm-hmm. they've played okay, they've been unlucky. Uh, I think I put Southampton in, and I I struggle with the third one. I mean, I feel like I can make a case for Everton. I can make a case for Forest. I can make a case for Palace. Uh, I feel like it's it's one of those three. Uh, I would have said Everton, but I feel like Sean Dyche has kind of solidified just the yeah. way they are playing. They've gotten, you know, a little lucky or grinded out one nil wins because Sean Dyche is some kind of wizard who can do that. Uh, Forrest plays well at home, but they're awful on the road. Southampton, okay, but again, just I think I'd probably put Southampton as that third team. Uh, the more I, I think about it, or did I already have them as the second you, team? You have to, yeah. So I'm with you. I, I, yeah. I think Southampton's the worst. I think actually Bournemouth are sneaky okay in the attack. Yeah. Um, they could score some goals. As we, I mean, we saw, you know, obviously they win against Liverpool 1-0, and I thought it was like a goal fest. But they, they're like a little bit dangerous. I think Southampton are worse. I think the question is, who's the third team? Right. And in form, you could say it's Crystal Palace right now. Yes. Uh, I would argue, right. I mean, I'm a biased Everton fan, but like if they brought in Sean Dyche before the World Cup instead of waiting for Lampard, I think they'd be a mid-table team by now. I really right. do. Because you remember in that stretch, they lost to Wolves. They lost to Southampton. They lost to... Uh, Bournemouth, uh, they they lost to all these teams. They were they wouldn't lose all those games if they had Sean Dice. I just know it. And you put on top of that, if Dominic Calvert Lewin could just stay healthy, uh, which is uh, again big if answer buts. But I don't think Everton are one of the three worst teams. In the they might go down, but I don't think they're one of the right. three worst teams in the league. I I mean the way Palace are playing, but then you look at Palace's team and they actually have some good players on the team too. Mm-hmm. I yeah, don't know. I, it's hard to say who that third team is. It is. I I guess I'd pick Forest right now. I mean they have talent and they're just really abysmal on the road and I'm not convinced they can you know, do something when they really have to go get a goal uh, even though they play decent at home their, their splits are you know, I don't know if it's how much of it's strategy versus just running one way or the other but I, I guess I would throw Forrest in but I feel like there's yeah three four teams you could easily throw I mean you could probably we make didn't a talk case about leads you we could make a case leads. for Fulham if you wanted to <laughs> uh, just based on the numbers I mean I don't think anyone would do that but it, it wouldn't be outrageous yeah we didn't mention leads uh we didn't really mention Wolves. I think it seems like they've kind of solidified okay. since bringing a new manager. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it just speaks to the mess and, and how these, a single result, a single red card, as we talked about, can change everything so much. Like just a two extra two points here is going to be the difference between uh, going up, staying down, and costing some club hundreds of millions of dollars. 
Yeah. If you go by talent, I think it's Everton for that last spot. I think it's Everton, Leeds, or Forest. I'd lean Forest, even though, again, like they, they might stay up. Who knows? But I just, yep. you know, I, I think West Ham, City, Wolves, even certainly Palace, I think they just have. They have players that they shouldn't be in. They shouldn't be where they are. But I, I'm not be. complaining. It's, it's made the thing. It's made everything super, super fun. All right. Let's get to our uh, channel. I had a PSG thing that I wanted to do. But we can maybe do that next week. We'll, we'll kick that can down the river. There's going to be a lot of PSG news this offseason anyway. And we'll have plenty of time to talk about them. But let's do the uh, the Champions League picks here. We got the round of 16 second legs coming up. This is the the last of the of the second legs here. Um, some weird matchups here, Paul. Let's just start. Yeah. We'll go in order. Uh, let's just start in Manchester City against Leipzig, which is probably the most interesting tie i think of uh of 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 the four can i listen leipzig or feisty obviously yeah. they get it they get the one one draw this is one one on aggregate can i get you to bite it all on plus 700 money line or plus 490 to, to to advance or are we just sitting here saying city at home are going to take care of business boy i really want to take leipzig one way or the other i mean you can get like laying a goal and a half it's only like minus 125 or so which i really like the things that give me pause, and Cuckoo is out. He's hurt. So, you know, they Matt. lose their best scorer. Uh, Schlager is out, the defensive midfielder with uh, ankle injury. So those are two big pieces that Leipzig is not going to have. And it, as much as I want to, I just can't see them holding on. Because, you know, you have to get, obviously, at least a draw to get to extra time and, and possibly penalties. You probably have to score. Yep. Right. You probably have to score. I mean, I, I can't. I can't talk myself into it as much as I want to. I have a Leipzig to advance future, uh, plus four fifty, I think it is, which is pretty much what the price still is. Oh, so you could sit so this. I, you could sit this out then, right? Yeah. yeah so I, I don't. From a side standpoint, I'm not going to be playing one here. I think there are going to be goals though, one way or the other, just because. I and mean, that's what City does. Not really a hot take to say that. So yeah, I think there's going to be goals. If I had to make a play, it'll probably end up being that way. There. So I, I think you're you're right in some respects. Like I think City, you know, obviously when they're on like they're a juggernaut right you know they, but i think they've been better than advertised defensively and i think mm-hmm. they're a little bit better at just like hey let's get a lead and kind of kill kill it off a little bit right. they're, they're, like it's not like pep guardiola has turned into jose Mourinho or anything right no. like you know but they did it against newcastle a couple weeks ago yeah where yeah. they just they just shut it down and i you know i i'm not brave enough to take leipzig all the things you said it's more of like who who they don't have i don't think they're like mm-hmm. afraid to go into the eddie had um yeah you know, they're in good form. They're scoring goals. But this is a whole different beast when you're playing against the Manchester City team. But again, Manchester City, like the odds there aren't great either, either to, for them to, to advance. I think it's like plus, or I'm sorry, minus like two something, 250. Yeah. Uh, I I actually don't think there are going to be a lot of goals in this game though, Paul. I really don't. I think I think this is going to be one of those ones where like City will be a little bit pragmatic. They'll probably get a goal maybe in the first half. Maybe they'll get two total. I could see this being a 2-0 City sort of like grind out, control the game win. Um, I kind of like the City money line and the under three and a half goals, which is plus 109. I, I, I'm i sort of leaning in that direction. I just can't, listen, if Leipzig end up pulling off this massive upset, I'll tip my cap. Great to you. Those numbers are fantastic. If you're on it, I'm, I'm rooting for you, man. Like, it's, it's awesome. Like, I want to be on it, but I just can't get there. Yeah. And I, if this is a thing where I I typically do fade City in the, in the, in the Champions League. Obviously, as history shown, you probably should do that, but I don't think this is the spot. I just I think it I think I'll probably fade them in the quarters or the semis. Yeah, it really just comes down to how is Leipzig gonna approach this. Like they played City in the group stage a couple years ago and it was six to three at Etihad because Leipzig just kept going at them the whole game. Are they gonna do that again? It seems unlikely given some of the injuries. But if they do, you're gonna see that kind of game. But if you're not, yeah, it could easily be a one nil, two nil 
type of city, grind it out type of win. So yeah, I don't hate that because it's a nice, simple game script. You're getting almost even money uh, for it as well. And yeah, not I kind of like that that option if you're trying to pick a side here. Yeah, the problem is like if Leipzig score, then you're kind of you're you're probably sweating that out a little bit. But you know, even you could you could still get a two one. You can still get a two one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But I I think City, I think the pragmatism is going to be something to watch from them because I think that. That's that's how you win these tournaments. It's not you know scoring a billion goals and being this up and down team that's exciting. Like it's 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 kind of like Real Madrid. Like sit back, survive take, in your, take your chances. Like yeah, and I think I think I mean City have to learn that at some point. I think this is uh, one step to that in that direction. So um, if you're taking, like I said, if you're taking Leipzig, more power to you. I'll be rooting for you on the way, but I will not be on that. Uh, let's get to the other game on Tuesday: Porto versus Inter. First game was a one nil to Inter. Pretty boring game, but there were scoring chances. Both of you, yeah. both you and I had the under. Um, and it felt pretty comfortable because there just weren't any goals until I think like the Lukaku what is 86 minute, I believe. But yeah. there actually were chances in this game. Like there were a couple, there was good goalkeeping, um, some good defending. It wasn't like a typical like one nil boring, like, you know, inter controls the game at the end. Uh, but the the issue here, this is obviously going back to Porto. And then when you look at the Porto in the league, like I, I've seen a bunch of people being like, oh, Porto will score a lot of goals, they keep a lot of clean sheets. But there's a difference between playing in the Portuguese league where they're one of the two, three best teams consistently and they're playing against a bunch of minnows to playing against Inter, which is a team that is defensive by nature um, in the Champions League. I kind of see, I just see there being way more game scripts on this, Paul, where Inter are just going to not take chances and then wait for Porto to score and just be like, hey, if you score, then maybe we'll play a game here. But they're going to be on the road sitting back. The under, to me, it's still, the under two and a half is still, it's not terrible. It's minus 122. Um, you know, this might be one of those things where Porto gets a goal early and all of a sudden opens up. But I really think Inter, as we talked about pragmatism in the, in the previous matchup, I don't think Inter are going to come out of the shell until they have to. And I can see this just being a really boring nil-nil, 1-1, maybe 1-0 even to Porto and it goes to extra time. Like, I don't think Inter are going to do anything to jeopardize the lead that they have right now until they have to. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think Porto played better than Inter did uh, before the red that. card. You know, they had over twice as many uh, expected goals at that point. It's like 1.7 to 0.7 uh, before the red card. Um, that red card's a factor, though, because it was Otavio, who's one of Porto's key guys in the midfield. So that does make me hesitate a little bit on picking Porto. But, I mean, you know, Inter's been, just like the top four-ish teams in the Premier League, very up and down all season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Porto's been really good at home. I kind of lean Porto in this one. You know, Again, they're missing a key player, but they outplayed Inter for most of that game. And I think they can do it again. So I, I lean toward Porto in this, uh, getting a result out of this one because I, I just think they're at home. I think Portuguese teams are always underestimated uh, in Champions League and, and they can make it through. Porto's knocked out a couple of Italian teams in the past few years, uh, including Roma, if I'm not mistaken. Sorry to, to bring that up. That, in, but, in the, uh, that, that was in the uh, yeah. back in the day when it was like a qualifying situation where like mm-hmm. I think it was like Italy got two and a half teams and I remember oh, that's right that's right yeah and it, it was a Daniela De Rossi red card that yeah. uh, in the second leg at home <laughs> which was the death nail for yeah. Roma but yes but whenever yeah. you get one of these like a certain you know Benfica or Porto it's just like great like on paper you're like all right we didn't get one of the big boys but right. you're like yeah, they're, they're just a pain in the ass to play against every yep. single time yeah so um, I, I lean Porto in this one just for just the, let me give the numbers to everybody I, I don't I don't know I don't have a strong lean on the side Porto is plus 155 this again this is the money line uh, the tie is plus 240 and uh, Inter plus 175 to advance. Porto is plus 250. I don't hate that. Um, I don't. I, I don't. I mean, like, you know, can they get a 1-0 and then and potentially advance? Like, I think the floodgates could open if, if Porto do get a goal because then Inter is going to have to open up a little bit more as well. And Porto, that home crowd, is a tough place to play. Uh, 
I still, I'm going to still ride with the under though. I, then I don't have to pick a side because I just don't have a strong lean here at all. I don't know what, yeah. let me see what the double chance is. It's probably not great because yeah, it's not such great. an even tie. Yeah. Porto and the, and the draw is minus 230. If you want to put pair that with like under three and a half, maybe you can get close to even money. But I, uh, I'm just going to stick with the under two and a half here. Yeah. Seems fair. Uh, all right. Let's get to this is the game that I have the most bets, but I'm the least <laughs> confident on, I think, of any of them. I'm going to throw a bunch of stuff at you, Paul. This is Real Madrid versus Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool. Uh, this um, is made for Saruti to come up with some bets. <laughs> this is, it's 5-2 on the aggregate, and it's obviously going back to Spain in Madrid. I'm just really excited to bet this game. I don't know that I'm going to have any of these bets in my best bets because they're all just kind of wild, but this is this has one of those just like YOLO games for, for, for Liverpool. <laughs> they have nothing to lose. They're on the road. They're coming off an embarrassing loss in the league to Bournemouth where they didn't even score a goal. I for, before I give out my stuff, what do you think, Paul? Because I don't want to, I don't want to take the shine out of this. I want to hear what you have to say, and then I will give like I have like four or five bets that written down here that I think are interesting. These are the hardest types of second legs to bet, yeah. I think, because anything could happen. Well, I mean, okay, just the range of possible outcomes that would still see Real Madrid through is vast. Obviously, any Madrid win, any draw, they can lose by two goals and still go through. Mm-hmm. So you know they could be down two nil, three one, and be fine with everything. So these are the trickiest ones, I think, just to wrap your head around and try to figure out. Um, and I don't have a great feel for it. I don't. I didn't have a great feel for the first leg. I thought anything was on the table there, and that's pretty much what we saw uh, with the, Liverpool, the way Liverpool jumped out and then Real Madrid obviously well, came roaring back. So Liverpool, I, I, don't, I don't have a good feel for this one either. Here's the thing. Liverpool got blasted on the scoreline, but it wasn't that bad. I mean, like, Real Madrid were just clinical. I mean, they right. went up 2-0, and then kind of the floodgates opened, and they scored a bunch of... It's kind of like the, the Man United game, like when uh, Liverpool won 7-0. It yeah. wasn't a seven nil. Yeah, there were just some weird, right. fluky things that happened. So I don't think Liverpool were three goals worse, especially yeah. at home to Real Madrid, uh, and that's coming from an Everton fan, as I've mentioned. So you know, I'm not being biased. Here I mean, whatsoever. here's how like, weird. I, the, here's how weird the game was. Each team only had nine shots. Yeah, but and they, it was two expected goals for Liverpool and one point six for Real Madrid, which just means they were really good chances because it was wide open, and, and both teams were creating these really good opportunities on the counter, especially for Real Madrid. So it was a very strange game. It was not the kind of five two game you often see where there's like forty total shots and every team is just pinging the goal the whole time. It was it was a very different sort of five two game. We talked about it. it was, the goalkeeping was atrocious for the most yep. part from on both sides and two guys that we like, um, one that we think is the best goalkeeper in the world, and Allison. But let me give the numbers here, and then I'll give what I the, the kind of leans that I like. So Real Madrid, obviously at home, are plus uh, 130 to win. The, the draw is plus 280, and Liverpool are plus 180. To qualify for the next round, <laughs> Real Madrid minus 3,500. Liverpool, <laughs> plus 1,200. Just saying, maybe anybody wants to take a nibble <laughs> on that and, and get super weird. I'll give out, I've got a couple things that I like here, Paul. I think Liverpool to score first at minus 105 is a great bet. <laughs> I, I, I think, because they're going to be on, like, here's the danger of that scenario. Obviously, Liverpool are going to come out guns blazing. They're going to, you know, foot to the, Pedal to the metal, but then Real Madrid just hit him on the counter, and 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 you know the game, the tie is essentially effectively over. Uh, but I don't know. I, I think Liverpool are going to put up a fight here. I, I kind of even like them to get a result because, as you mentioned, like Real Madrid know they can lose. Like it just doesn't. It doesn't. They don't really have to exert themselves too much offensively. They're probably going to sit back a ton and again try to just capitalize on the counter. But I, I think Liverpool to score first at close to even money for a team that just needs to get to off to a hot start is a pretty reasonable bet. No, I like it. I mean, that's exactly what we saw in the first leg. I could see the second leg looking a lot like that. Liverpool comes out blazing, and eventually Real Madrid kind of finds their footing, uh, gets back in the counter, and is is right there and just handles business easily. So, yeah, I think that's pretty reasonable because you've got to figure Liverpool's going to come out on the front foot. Liverpool to win, plus 180. Okay, like 2-1, maybe? 
sure. two, yeah. whatever you want, whatever you well, want to do. It's like they're up, if Liverpool's up 2-1 in the 80th minute, Real Madrid is not going to pressure. Nope. They're not going to push. They're just going to sit there because they still have to concede two goals to not go through. Or yep. two goals just to get to extra time. Sorry. Um, yeah. So a Liverpool win is very reasonable. And that's what makes these matches hard to wrap your head around because there's so many different weird scenarios that these teams don't find themselves in very often where pragmatism overcomes the actual result and you're like, oh, we lost the match. doesn't really matter. That sort of thing. But yeah, if Liverpool's ahead late by one, Real Madrid's going to have no interest in like putting more than two guys in the other half of the field. Another one, Liverpool to win over one and a half goals in the game plus 205. Like, again, I just, I, we're following the game script here. I, if Liverpool score a goal, they're they're going to keep pressing, and that whether that means you know they get a goal or then Real gets a goal and then they get another goal and it's two one like we just talked about. I I think I'm I'm like a little bit afraid because the the, the the over under numbers are a little bit juiced. Let me just bring them up right it's now tough. because they're not awesome. Like the over yeah. two and a half is minus one seventy eight. Uh, don't love that. Uh, under is plus one forty four. I, I I don't know why you. I don't. I'm not sane enough to be able to take that pick. The <laughs> over the over three and a half is plus one fifty two. Again, that's asking a lot though. I, you just don't know exactly how this is going to play out. If they don't score early, then you're immediately going to be that that bet's a that bet's an L. So I don't. That's why I'm like, okay, if I think Liverpool win the over one and a half goals, like yeah, I think there'll be two goals in the game. It's a two one maybe. Um, I just think that's a little bit better value. The other thing I had written down here, Paul, was Liverpool double chance and both teams to score at plus 125. So basically what I'm saying is Liverpool results and goals to be scored, I think are are probably where you should bet this this tie. It makes sense to me. I mean, if I'm picking a traditional side or, or bet to make it, it would be leaning over somewhere. But I'm not really comfortable with the numbers because, like you said, two and a half is so juicy and three and a half is just a, a tougher thing if... I mean, I don't anticipate Real Madrid trying to lock it down because Real Madrid just doesn't do that. They haven't in recent years. But it's it's always possible that the pragmatism kicks in at some point. And, and yeah, a Liverpool result is so much more likely than it would normally be given the result that still gets Real Madrid through. So it, it makes a lot of sense. You talk through the game script and the possibilities and what both teams have and don't have to play for. Let's get to the last one. This is probably the least interesting of all the games, but I do have a I do have a play here. Napoli against Frankfurt. Napoli up two nothing, going back home to Naples. Um, Napoli are just in a different class, I think, than Frankfurt are. Uh, period. They, we saw that in, in the first leg, and then the Frankfurt's best attacking player, Kolomuani, is out, uh, red card um, suspension. So I just I don't see any chance that Frankfurt gets back into this game. What I do like, though, is I kind of like the Napoli money line and the under three and a half, which is plus 109. I think Napoli probably comfortably win at home, but I also don't think they're going to like, like once they, if they get a goal or two, they're not going to just keep pressing and go insane on this team. They don't need to do that. They'll probably relax. The other thing is Frankfurt are just like not a pressing team at all. If you don't press Napoli, they're just going to have the ball the entire game and they're going to control the match. So they'll just kill it off that way pretty easily. So if you're telling me that I get a reasonable Napoli win at home against a lesser inferior team without their best attacking player at plus money, uh, I I I think I got to take that. Yeah, I mean, having no Colomani is just killer for Andrade Frankfurt. I don't know how. I don't see a way back for them. I mean, I think Napoli was like minus fifteen thousand or something to advance or something ridiculous, which is just about right. Uh, it's just a matter of figuring out from a betting standpoint how are you going to play Napoli here or what what's going to happen. But I don't I don't see any way back for Andrade Frankfurt. Napoli was so dominant in that first leg, it went kind of how we thought and maybe even worse than we thought from an Eintracht Frankfurt percent perspective. And I don't see how we don't have more of the same here. Yeah, Napoli is uh, on FanDuel to advance to the next round is minus 10,000 
uh, Frankfurt turn the tie around is plus 2,800. Napoli to win is minus 210. That's why like there's just it's just not good enough there for me. I could just see, I don't think this is going to be like an up and down crazy game. I just think Napoli's going to control it and likely win it. So that's why I'm, I, I think that's the money line there. And the, yeah. and the under three and a half is probably the play. Let me ask you this, though, before we get to our best bets. Let's the underdogs to advance. Let's take a look. This is so so anyone who is basically the underdog in the game, or obviously you know one of them is is, is tied on aggregate in the Leipzig uh, City match. Which one of these can I get you to bite on any of these? Porto plus two fifty. These are all to advance. Frankfurt plus I, I said three thousand. It's gone down a little bit since I since I put this on my sheet. Liverpool are plus twelve hundred to advance, and Leipzig plus four ninety to advance. Porto is probably the most obvious one, I guess. Right? If I took yep. that one out, are you are you biting on any of these? Leipzig, I, mean, I guess. Leipzig's not terrible, I don't think. It's it has a more so the advantage of Porto is like Inter's not going to blow them off the field. Like that's really just not in the cards, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leipzig, I think, has a decent. They got a shot, They're, but the opposite extreme of City could win a four nil. You know, if, if it just goes wrong, and if Leipzig comes out pushing and doesn't get a goal, uh, so that's it's almost something you have to be like emotionally prepared to deal with. Like I think their chances to advance aren't all that different, uh, but Porto, you're probably going to be in the game for most of it. There's always a chance at halftime your Leipzig bet is dead. I there's something I don't know. There's something about the Liverpool one that I'm like I don't know that I'll take it. I'll pull the trigger on it, but we. we Maybe again, it's 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 like the brand of Liverpool and the things that we've seen in the past. Obviously, they came back in the past against a Barcelona team. We've seen them score a million goals, uh, but then again, like you know, they're on the road. Like it's not like they're even at Anfield. They don't have anything to lose. I think the not the nothing to lose factor is a little bit scary to me if I'm like a Real fan. Yeah, I wish it was a little higher than twelve hundred though. You know, yeah. like they're they're down three goals. Like if it was like in yeah. two thousand range, which you know, again, there's a reason it isn't because people would probably bet right. that. I'd probably be more likely. To, I mean, Frankfurt, I think, have no shot. But right. the Liverpool one is interesting to me, but it's just not high enough. And I mean, no team has ever lost by three goals at home in the first leg and gone on to advance in Champions League. So that's your historical yeah. uh, record. You know, teams have come back from three goals down, but they always have that second Shout out to Roma. You know, yeah, Barcelona, there you go. Roma did it, Barcelona against PSG, et cetera, et cetera. So that happens. But having to do it on the road just doesn't happen. And yeah. it's, it's really hard to see even 12, plus 1,200 or so. It doesn't seem worth it to me. All right, let's wrap it up with our best bets. Uh, Paul, both of us, six and six overall. You were two and one last week. I was one and two last week. Man, I felt really good about the Chelsea BVB both teams to score over two and a half. BVB just didn't, they couldn't, they couldn't get it over the, the yeah. I had everything right about that game. I was like, I think Chelsea are going to actually score some goals, but I do think BVB will score too, and BVB just couldn't do it. I did have Chelsea to advance, so I ended up making up some money back there. I also had the PSG double chance, which is a straight L, period. Um, although they, they could have scored, they probably yeah, should have scored some chances early. a couple chances. Uh, and then the one both you and I had, which was an absolute no brainer at the time, <laughs> uh, was Spurs Milan under two and a half. I had a lot of people texting me and messaging me too that they were like, Where'd you guys get the minus 126 on that? Because it was like minus 150 by the time the pod came right. out. Because I think everybody just kind of jumped on it, but we got it at a pretty decent number, which was nice. Uh, you had the BVB double chance, which obviously lost, but you did have Benfica and they just absolutely blew the doors off with Bruges. Yeah. That was about even money. So, you are basically even money, Paul. Uh, at six and six, I am slightly down. I'm about I'm down about 0.3 units. So we're basically, for all intents and purposes, even uh, here. So as always, I'll let you lead off, my man. Yeah, well, I mentioned the lines shift. They shift a lot in these Champions League games over the the day or so before the games happen. I think just because so many betters and, and people are focused on the weekend games, understandably, and you want to get through those to know what's there. And then the lines just start moving a lot. Uh, so yeah. Sometimes it helps you, sometimes it doesn't. But uh, okay, so I'm going to start with Porto. I think 
I just think they have a shot. I mean, like I said, Inter is not going to blitz them. I'd like Porto to win in 90 minutes at plus 155, I think it was. It's the price you had. Actually got a little better price yesterday at plus 170, so you might still be able to find some better numbers out there. Um, so this is just a Porto win. You know, it could be 1-0 and go to stoppage time, or go to extra time, rather. Uh, but it doesn't matter because it's a 90-minute bet. So I, I think, you know, they outplayed Inter. Don't have the confidence in Inter, given what they've shown me this season. So I like Porto to win this one. I don't have a ton of confidence, but if I had to pick a side, it would be Porto in this match. Um, so yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a good bet for you. I'm gonna stick with uh, here. This is the Suri special. We'll go with you know a, a, a side pick and then a, and then a total. We love we love a little same game parlay here. Shout out to FanDuel. I'm gonna go with the Man City money line under three and a half goals in the game plus 109. I explained it before. I just think I think City the the, the only issue for this to me is if Leipzig score early and go up one nil, then I'm probably screwed because then you're basically saying okay. City have to come back, win 2-1, and then Leipzig can't score again. I think City at home, I think they get a, go- a goal or two kind of early. You know, I think maybe they're up 1-0 at halftime, maybe one another one early in the second half, and they just kill this thing out, and it's a 2-0, something like that. 2-1 at the worst. Uh, I'm not brave enough, as I mentioned, to go for the Leipzig money line. So Man City, money line at home, under 3.5 goals in the game, plus 109. All right, I'm going to go number two. I'm going to go to Napoli-Frankfurt game. I'll keep it simple and play under half a goal for Eintracht-Frankfurt. <laughs> <laughs> Kolomwani's out. You get plus 118 on Frankfurt not scoring a goal. I'll take that. If you want to combine it with the Napoli money line, you can get it, bump it up to plus 135 or so. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'll just keep it simple. Under half a goal, Eintracht Frankfurt, best scores out. Napoli's going to have all the ball. I don't think Eintracht has a shot here. What was the number on that too? Plus 118. Oh right man, I, that's that's not... T- the only would, My only fear in that would be like, Napoli <clears throat> just kind of know they've won the tie. And they don't care, <laughs> but I think right. Napoli are going to have like we're going like we're talking like seventy yeah. percent possession. And, and I feel like, yeah, I feel like Napoli not caring still means that they have seventy percent possession. Just kick it around the back more than press <laughs> forward. So is it nil nil? Maybe that's kind of why I would just take the straight under half a goal for Eintracht instead of adding the Napoli win. I don't hate that if you want to get a little bit uh, longer of a shot. But yeah, just under half a goal for Eintracht. It seems kind of like a no brainer. Because uh, Napoli is going to control this whole game. All right, let's keep the under train rolling. Everybody, <clears throat> there's nothing worse than betting and like rooting on an under bet. But man, uh, I it's it, not fun. It, it, but I just I, there's no scientific evidence behind this, or what, there, maybe somebody has it out there. But people obviously love overs and they will bet overs overs. Oh, yeah. I I like taking unders, even though it's just a miserable existence to watch the game. So right. I'm going to stay with that same game or your, your first bet, the Porto Inter game. I'm just going under two and a half goals. I, I think Porto might win one nil. Maybe it's a one one goes to extra time. I don't see either of these teams. I think Porto maybe could score two, but then, you know, that's a two. I could still win that with a two nothing. I don't think Inter score more than one. Uh, I think this is for sure a, a kind of like a low scoring grind out game. As I said, I think Inter are going to wait until Porto do anything before they even open up. It's minus 122. I feel like it should be higher. Uh, as you mentioned last week with the Milan, it's not quite the Milan Spurs one where it's like it should be minus 150, but I, I think minus 122 is still a pretty good price for this. So under two and a half goals, Porto, Inter. All right. So I'm going to go with an over for my third one, and I'm going to go to Real Madrid, Liverpool and take over three and a half at plus 152. Don't love taking that many goals in any game. I just don't think either team has a break, uh, a break pedal that slows the thing down. We thought maybe Real Madrid might play a little cautiously in the first leg, not so much. Uh, and there were just plenty of, not tons of chances as we talked about, but lots of good chances. Uh, and I know a couple of those goals were fluky, but if Liverpool's going to open up, it just makes plays right in Real Madrid's hands even more. So over three and a half goals, plus 152. You know, basically we're saying, can we get a 40% chance that there's going to be four plus goals? I think that's realistic. So that's what I'll play here. 
I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm not going to play the game. Even though I, I have like four or five yeah. bets in that game, but I'm not going <laughs> to play them as one of my best bets because I just, I'm just like a little, I'm a little scared of the three and a half. If I had yeah, to play one in this game, I think it would be Liverpool to score the first goal at minus 105. Um, yeah. I like I, that but, too. Yeah, but, but I'm going to, I'm going to stay away. I will, I will likely be betting on this game mo- multiple ways. I haven't, I haven't pulled the trigger just yet, but uh, I'm going to stay yeah. away from it in our best bets as they concern. So Godspeed to you, Paul, because if, if the over three and a half probably hits, I feel like I'm, yeah. I'm likely going to hit on most of those bets that I, that I had. So I'll be rooting for yeah. you too, but I'm going to go with the uh, similar ones to the, to the, to the first bet I had. I'm going to go Napoli money line under three and a half in that game. That's also plus one Oh nine. Um, for everything that I said before, I just think, as we talked about, I think Napoli control that game. I think they get an easy win. Uh, I don't think Frankfurt are going to be a remotely, uh, you know, difficult side to to stop from scoring goals in this game. Yeah. And I think they get plus money to Napoli just to win at home, basically in a in a game that they don't need to win necessarily, but that they probably will win because they're a better team. I I I I said I was going to ride the Napoli bandwagon, Paul, until they lost. Well, they did they did lose to Napoli a couple weeks ago, uh, and I but I, I can't quit them because I had them right. against Atalanta. Um, I had them, I had the Napoli money line and the over one and a half goals, which I got late in that game, which was great. Uh, in a two in a two nil win for Napoli, so I'm gonna keep riding this train until like I see evidence other than that weird Lazio result where it was like a Golasso yeah. scored by uh, Benicio. Yeah, I want to amend my Real Madrid Liverpool not the pick, but just so much. If you have a book that has uh, you know over three goals and that means three goals is a push, you can probably find that at, like minus one ten. Yeah, which I I'd probably like that a little bit better if you have that option just to to get the push at three um, than having to get the four goals. Uh, just to get any sort of win there. So that's another option. To, again, some books will offer that. Some offer, you know, it'll say over three, but it has to actually get over three and you don't get the push at three. So if you have that line over three goals at minus 110 and three is a push, I, I like that one as well. Well, good luck to everybody. As always, on the best bets, make sure uh, you're following me at Saruti on Twitter, at Paul Carr, C-A-R-R on Twitter as well. We're going to be back, as I mentioned, likely next week, um, even though we've got an international break, Paul, why don't you give, do you have a quick, like, you know, preview of, of, I guess the, the nation's league and what we're looking at for the U S uh, team coming up. Yeah. U S has two nation's league games at Grenada home to El Salvador next week. They, I think they need four points officially to advance to the semis and final, which will be in June. Uh, but really if they beat El Salvador at home, I think they're through. So, you know, these should be two relatively easy wins for the U S it's CONCACAF. You never know. Anything could happen. Uh, totally Anything wild, could happen. <laughs> so yeah, don't expect much drama, but. Something always happens. Uh, so TBD when we'll be back. We'll likely be back before those games to preview them and then also talk about the Champions League draw, which will be at the end of this week. Um, and then we'll probably come back the week after, kind of break down what we saw in those games and then preview uh, the weekend ahead in when, when you know the European leagues return. So a couple of TBD shows. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll keep you posted on when exactly we're going to post those. But uh, check us on Twitter. Obviously, we'll, we'll post them as soon as we drop those. So... Uh, Good times as always. Thanks to uh, the great Paul Carr as always. Thanks to Stefan Anderson for producing this podcast. Good luck to everyone on their bets. And uh, we'll chat next week sometime. Be good, guys.